Good morning, everyone. Uh, at this point of the week, I am living only on coffee uh, with the three kids. Uh, can I ask if you pray for wee Sarah for me? Sarah has had a temperature since Thursday. Um, so you know what it's like being uh, by myself. You panic a wee bit, but she's all right. My mum's got her right now, but I'd appreciate it if you prayed for her. It would be helpful if she didn't stay up to two or four in the morning. Um, but uh, let me just say on the off, I think every um, dad in here, you should take all your kids for a full week. Um, it should be mandatory because it gives you a glimpse of how wonderful uh, your wives are. Um, not that we don't do anything, but you know what I mean. They do an absolutely brilliant job. And it's been a real, real eye-opener and a pleasure as well, just spending so much time uh, every literally every minute with Sarah clinging on to you, yeah, but it's been nice. So uh, just to honour all the, all the mums in here, you're doing an absolutely brilliant job and have done a great job. If they're out of your house, I'm sure you're glad. I know Tara had four, I'm sure she's glad all four of them are out now, but uh, we're going to continue on with our series this morning, uh, going in to the deep or going deeper, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I want to bring um, an old but new sermon, one that... Um, I've sort of reworked for this morning that I believe is is a call, was God's call and is continuing to be God's call uh, over my life. It's the, the job description that I believe the Father has given me. Whatever I do, this is what I do in the middle of it. And it's it's to be a forerunner. So before I tell you what that is, before I go into it, I want to tell you a little story. So most of you in here know me, but if you don't know me, back in 2009, I had a dream about a random city yeah, that dream led to going and living there and being a pastor there for a season and opening a drop-in store and um, opening people's eyes to the mission field and trying to bring them to the mission field and opening a youth center uh, for underprivileged youth in a really um, poor area of a city um, over in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And uh, long story short, we Nicola and I and two of the boys gave up everything um, to go there and for us that was going into the deep but it was also easy enough because it was going to start living a dream of being um, a pastor in a church something I'd always wanted to do but not long after being there less than a year after being there I was leaving my mum and dad to Chicago airport and uh, on the way home I had this encounter with God when everybody was sleeping does anybody else have that when you're driving you're the only one in the car that's awake everybody else is and uh, whether or not it was just my overactive imagination uh, now I know it was definitely the father. I heard this voice, I'll, I'll not say it was the audible voice, but it was nearly that where it said, are you ready to go home? I thought, my goodness, I've given up so much. We've given up so much. We've done this and we've done that. What are people going to think of us if I go and say, oh my goodness, we're going home? And uh, I remember going to Nicola and saying, we, uh, we need to start spending time with the Lord, seeking the Lord and seeing what he's saying to us. And I, I remember it very, very clearly. If you don't know, it uh, it didn't work out because I'm I'm here again. You know, I'm not in the USA. We're back in Northern Ireland for a long time now. But I remember going to the basement of our house, and uh, Nicola and I, who's my wife, we went into uh, the basement, and I remember very clearly saying, "God, we are not leaving here until you speak to us, because we cannot move any further. We cannot do anything without hearing from you, and we want to hear from you very, very clearly." And I remember sitting there for hours and hours and hours. Thankfully, none of the kids woke up. And God spoke to me very clearly. It was the one and only time in my life where I was reading the Bible. I was in the Word, seeking the Father. And the, the words jumped out in high definition right in front of my eyes in big, big letters. I've never had it before. 
and I've never had it again. And they were the words of Isaiah 40. And I felt God say to me, David, you're not going to let your job define you. You're not going to let your culture define you. You're not going to let anything else define you. I will define who you are. And who you are to me, firstly, I'm the son of the king. But I have a job for you, son. And it's to be a forerunner for the kingdom. And so that's what I've been living on since. That whatever I do, whether it's driving a van, picking up rubbish, preaching in a church, praying over people, giving people words, doing stuff in, in the stores that we help manage or the coffee shop, whatever it is, I am continuing to focus that I am a forerunner for the kingdom who is revealing Jesus wherever I go. And that was what God has called me to do. And so each one of us going deeper is completely different, but completely the same. I know that sounds Irish, but going deeper is completely different, but completely the same because he will ask you to do something that he won't ask me to do. He will bring people across your path that I probably can't cope with. He will ask you to take and seize opportunities that I will not get the opportunity to do. But in the middle of it, it's so much the same because it all comes from a place of going deeper with the Father, of intimately knowing who you are in him. And as that comes through and through and grows, you start to live it out. And so uh, I believe this is a season as, as a church, I'm going to start stripping here. This is a season as a church where God is asking us to go deeper. He's asking us for more. little tribute to last night. If you don't know, Ulster won last night in the European Cup. And so I want to I wanna bring a quick illustration this morning. Now, I'm wearing the Ulster jersey. Does this mean that I play for Ulster? Ask Davy Fife. Davy used to, used to coach me um, at Dungannon Rugby Club. Back in the days where um, I enjoyed other things than the Word of God. <laughs> Now, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to play for Ulster, but I loved it. I really loved it. I love wearing the shirt. I love representing it. We a bit tighter than it should be, but I still wear it. And, you know, I love spectating. I'm always on the sidelines. I'm always watching. I'm always shouting. And you dare not turn off the TV. If Ulster or Ireland are playing, you dare not turn that TV off. Our Saturdays rotates around the Six Nations and the World Cup and my Friday nights around trying to see... And, and I love Jesus more, but after family, we've got Ulster Rugby and Ireland Rugby. But what I want to say this morning is I believe that there are so many people that are in our churches that you love wearing the jersey, but you don't understand the full commitment of what it means to pull on the real thing. Now, if I was to put on the real Ulster jersey, it'd be a lot tighter than this. It'd be like this, my belly would be shown, because it's built the curve to their muscles. Because to be a professional rugby player, it takes commitment, it takes determination, it takes laying things aside for the goal that's set in front of you. It takes discipline. It takes you knowing at all costs, I am going to be the best of the best. And I believe in church, there are so many people right now that you are happy and we are happy and they are happy to be spectators and sit in the sideline and come on a Sunday and whatever else in the program we have, but they are not willing to jump into the deep end and say, Father, whatever you have for me, I am ready to go. I am ready to do. They are willing to wear the lovely t-shirt but they are not willing to sacrifice what it truly means to be a Christ follower. 
And so I believe that God is asking for us to be committed, to be disciplined, to understand your role, that you're a son and a daughter of the king and everything flows out of that. And you know what? I wasn't good enough to play professional rugby, but do you know what I am good enough to do? And do you know what you're good enough to do? We're good enough to represent the kingdom of God. We're good enough to pull on that jersey that says, I was bought on the cross. I'm a son of the king. I'm a son of a daughter of the king. You are good enough. No matter what anyone tells you, you are good enough. And if that's all you remember this morning, then so be it. Let me put my shirt back on. It's a bit cold. So I believe being a forerunner is the definition in the dictionary is this, a person or a thing that precedes another, a person or a thing coming in advance to herald the arrival of something, an indication beforehand of something follow, something to follow. So really, God knows how simple I am. So he says, listen, David, this is your job. You run out in front and you say, he's coming. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Are you ready? Do you know what he can do for you? Do you know what he can bring in your life? And that's it. That's, that's what I get to do. And do you know the exciting part of it? That's what you get to do. There's lots of doctrine, there's lots of theology that underlies it, but the simplicity of the gospel is this. The simplicity of what you and me are to do in the Great Commission is to go and to tell the gospel, to let people know Jesus is coming. Get yourself ready, but not just that. He has so much to offer you right now if you're willing to go into the deep. And so being a, we, a lot of the time you'll hear me talking about being still. I find it very hard to be still. Be still. Get that time in the quiet, which is something I have been doing and trying to get into the rhythms of my life. But today, I want to tell you, whenever you enter into the kingdom and say yes to Jesus, it's really hard to stay still. If you have actually encountered the true and living God, it's hard to stay still. In Acts 2, uh, whenever they were waiting in the upper room, they were waiting, they were waiting, they were waiting. There's a time for waiting. But when the Holy Spirit came, what happened? They overflowed out onto the streets. And thousands of people said yes to Jesus because of the people that were carrying him inside. And so I believe that the New Testament says that the kingdom is forcefully advancing. And I believe if you and me are not forcefully advancing, I sat down last night and I, I took stock of the people that have encountered Jesus through me. I took stock of the people that I have led to Jesus. I have took stock of the people that have encountered Jesus through a word or through healing. And you know what? I want more. There has to be more. I have to be more bold. I have to be more courageous. And I'm saying this to you too. And so everything I believe is, is all about motion with the Father. It's continually moving. Moving from here to here to walking out to running out to living out to sitting to standing, whatever it may be. But in the, in the book of Acts, there were 40 miracles. And of those 40 miracles, 39 were in the marketplace. They were outside of the church building. Of 132 contacts of Jesus, so 132 times in the New Testament that Jesus touched someone, prayed for someone, spoke to someone, 122 of them were on the streets. We are called as forerunners to take what he has given us and live it out on the streets. It's easy to do it in here on a Sunday. And so the purpose of a forerunner is to bring the good news, to go where Jesus already is, to bring his heart to carry his presence and to prepare the way. And what I find in life is there are three types of people. There are people who watch what are, what's happening. There are people who make things happen. 
and there are people who are sitting wondering why things are happening. I want to be someone that makes things happen. Anybody else here feel that way? And I'm not talking about big, massive, explosive things. I want to make my neighbor's day. I want to make my kids smile. I want to make my wife know that I love her. And so on and so on. There are so many ways to make things happen. And so I believe we're all called to be forerunners. And in the Bible, there are two specific forerunners that I want to look at today. And one in particular, John the Baptist, but also Elijah. And in Malachi 3 verse 1, it says this. Malachi 3 verse 1. Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. An introduction to John the Baptist. He's saying there is someone coming. I am sending you a promise. I will, as Jenna said, I'm going to have the last word. You think I've been silent for 400 years? Where do you see what's about to happen? The silence is worth it. The silence is worth it because of what is going to happen. I've given you my promises. Is there anyone here this morning you're sitting on a promise? Maybe you've been sitting on it for years. The children of Israel were sitting for 400 years with nothing. But they had a promise that I will send someone. If you've only waiting a couple of years, maybe you have a while to go. But he is faithful. That's another sermon. To me, it all sounds like the Great Commission. I'm sending a messenger who will prepare the way. That's you and me. And so, uh, in Luke 1, we get an introduction to who John is going to be. The characteristics, the drive. And I believe John one ver- or Luke 1 verse 17 is almost like a job description of what John was sent to do and what you and I carry. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, who was the father of John, and he said this about the son that was going to be born. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to wisdom of, or to the wisdom of the just, to make ready the Lord's people. Um, and in the Passion Translation, it says this. I love the way it writes it. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and authority as Elijah, He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers in tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. What a job description for you and me. As we seek to go deeper this morning, God's given me a message. I'm going to speak at a conference next month. And the message he has given me is about the power of unity with the Father leading to the power of unity with one another. I believe in simplicity, that is one of the keys of the gospel. That when we truly know Jesus, it brings this sense of unity with one another. It should do. And so John was a warm-up act for, for the main man, which was Jesus Christ himself. But the key to John was this. He was going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. And so everything that we hear about Elijah and John today It applies to us, which I'll explain a wee bit later. And so this morning, I don't have time to go into Elijah, otherwise we'll be here to two o'clock. But let me just just tell you to read 1 and 2 Kings. Absolutely amazing books. It will keep you there for months on end if you wanted to. But read 1 and 2 Kings and slowly go through it. But some of the characteristics of the spirit and power of Elijah are this. He had intimacy with God. He had direction and vision. He heard from the Lord of where to go, what to do, who to speak to. He was prophetic. 
He was a real, a real human. He had doubts and fears. He hid from a woman. Anybody here done that? I've hid upstairs sometimes from the wife. He hid. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He called people to repentance. He had an understanding of the gospel and he was bold with it. He was engaging in all walks of life from the lowest to the highest. He engaged with everyone and knew how to talk with everyone. And that's a call this morning. Wherever you are in life, in government, in education, in family, in entertainment, business, whatever it is, you are called to be engaging with people to lead them to the Father wherever you are. He had legacy. So he cultivated what he had and he was ready to pass it on. The story of Elisha, another brilliant story if you read that. He was ready for that double portion to be given to Elisha. Number nine, he illustrated a sold out life for the kingdom. Next one, he looked forward. Not all the time, but most of the time he was looking forward and pressing to the things that were to come, not living in the past. And lastly, he was a humble man. He knew where his strength came from. He knew that without God, he could not do anything. And he knew that with him, he could do everything. And so the verse that, that God gave me in the basement in 2012 was this, in Isaiah 40. And this is where we are introduced to John the Baptist. And Isaiah 40 says this uh, in the New Living Translation. Comfort, comfort my people. The Passion finishes that off with, with gentle, compassionate words, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. And this is it. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord make a straight highway through the wasteland. For our God, fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills, straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. This is a job description for what a forerunner is to do. He is to prepare, he or she is to prepare the way for the Lord, to proclaim the coming King, to prepare the unprepared. Now, in December, we had a Christmas dinner for 140 people. Now, that's a mammoth task to take on. A mammoth task. And so we had to sit down and prepare for that meal. We had to see who we were going to get the plates off and who we were going to get to play in the wonderful band and who was going to cook this and where we were going to source that. And we actually had to sit down and to talk with one another and think, how are we going to do this well? And I believe that you're to be led by the Spirit, yes. But I believe the Holy Spirit loves us to be intentional. And I think that's something that maybe we've lost a little bit where we're actually sitting down and going, Holy Spirit, what are you doing and where are you doing it? And let me in on your strategy. I want to be intentional so that I get so much more bang for my buck. I want to be led by you, Father. And so we are to prepare the way and to help the unprepared, to turn hearts to him, to live out righteousness, to give people a knowledge of salvation. We're to bring spiritual dawns. It says in verse, verse 5 that through what we do, his glory will be revealed. His glory will be revealed. Does that sound like a description of you and me? Hopefully on our better days it does. That his glory is being revealed. We are to hear God and give away what he is saying. We are to be people that guide in the right path to be an example. Do you know what I've realized this week? I've realized, and it's taken me to this week, I have realized that there's no point in always telling my children what to do unless I live it out as an example. 
And so we are called not to just say and to be spectators and shout things and think we are the best, but we are actually to live it out in real life. Live this gospel out, live the fruit of the Spirit out, but also in the middle of that we have grace to make up for those days where we don't. We are to prepare ourselves deep in the word and operate in the gifts. And this is, this is the last one there. We are to be simple and pure. Throughout those first five verses of Isaiah 40, it says make straight, smooth, level. And I find that so many people make the gospel unaccessible and hard to understand. But the gospel is so simple. The gospel is so simple that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and me to forgive our sins, to give us life and fullness both now and forevermore. The simplicity of the gospel is beautiful. And don't get me wrong, I've been to Bible college. I love going deeper. But we are to make it accessible for people. We are to make it accessible for those around us and make it attractive to them in a way that does not water it down. And so from reading the verses, I have found that there are eight characteristics of a forerunner. And so if you have a pen and paper, these are the things I would love you to, to jot down. And so within the story of, of John and Elijah, these are things that I have I've seen and, I, and I've pulled out. The first one is self-denial. Matthew 3 verse 4, it says that John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. Sounds like a beautiful diet, doesn't it? But it, for you and me, some of us are called to lay down things that others aren't. Some of us are called to deny things that maybe other people don't have to deny. But it's being in that place with the Father where you know, do you know what, I've been called to give up owning a house and driving a nice car and living in Northern Ireland to go and live in Africa. I've been called to not have a family because I want to give my life like Paul did to go and serve God wherever. Some of us are called in different ways, to different um, ways of self-denial. Number two is courage. Matthew 3 verse 7, But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them, you brood of snakes. He exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? And so this was the high-powered religious men of the day coming down to little old John, and he called them um, a brood of snakes. And so I believe that this was birthed out of a place of John from the prophetic word that was given to his father, walking and standing and living in the authority that he had been given from God himself and understanding who he truly was. He wasn't being rude, but he was being bold in stating that I know who I am. Don't you try and dictate who I am or what I do. And so it's a powerful thing, having courage that is birthed from your identity. Number three was obedience, Matthew 3 verse 15. But Jesus said it should be done. So uh, John had said, I won't baptize you. How on earth? Imagine, imagine baptizing Jesus. Who here feels that they could baptize Jesus? My goodness. And John sensed who Jesus was. But at the end of it, he was obedient. It should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And Malcolm, Dawson said, Malcolm Duncan says this, the gospel changes us. We become change bringers and we give our lives to the kingdom. And so I believe through obedience, John, John was a world changer. And through obedience, you and me can be world changers too as we step out into the deep.
Fourthly, he was a powerful preacher. But I wrote down here powerful words because you don't have to be a preacher. In Mark 1 verse 5, it says that all of Judea, including the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John and, uh, and they confessed their sins. He, can, he baptized them in the River Jordan. I believe that as you and me understand truly who we are and out of the overflow of spending time with the Father in the Word and listening to the Spirit, that our words become like that two-edged sword that we, that we, that we read every day, hopefully. They become powerful. And when we are led by the Spirit, three words that come out of our mouths from Him can be more powerful than 10,000 that come from our own. And also, He gives us um, powerful, comforting words. If you read Isaiah 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people. And so, so many of us think that we are to go all hellfire and brimstone. You need to be saved. You do. God is a God of love. And he says, comfort, comfort my people. And the original Hebrew is the word necham, which is N-A-C-H-E-M. And it brings this, um, it brings, the, it, it can't be explained completely in English, but it means deep emotion um, and passionate words that give relief. So the words that we have are to bring relief to situations that we walk into. So we are to walk into people's houses or rooms or work and to sense the atmosphere and instead of giving the whole, oh, there goes the, the Bible basher again. Actually, don't take offense to that, please. Actually, they go, my goodness, the words that you just brought have, have stirred hope and life within me. Like, wh where does this come from? And you can tell them where those words of deep compassion and relief, and it goes on to say in a definition that it brings reconciliation, which leads to unity. The words that John were bringing were to bring reconciliation, which would lead to unity. Next one is humility. Mark 1 verse 7, it says that John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I am that I am not worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie his sandals. I am not the Messiah, he goes on to say in verse 19. And so he knew who he was. He knew his position. He so easily could have had a Messiah complex like so many people have. But he choose, chose to walk out the promise that was spoken over his life, that he would be one that goes before and declares the way and shows the way. Uh, number six, he was marked by holiness. Mark 6 verse 20 says that for Herod respected John and knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. And so what I believe is, it's not a, oh, there's the holy Joe. It's a holiness that actually draws people to you. It's a holiness that people look at and go, I can't understand how he's going through hell and still is calm and still is full of joy and still is optimistic of the future. And so I believe that as we walk in holiness, it will draw people to us asking, what is it that is different about you? Number seven, he had a burning zeal. John 5 verse 35 says, John was like a burning and shining lamp. Or another translation said he was like a blazing torch. I want to be like a blazing torch. I'm sure we all know someone, a Christian, who that when they walk into a room, it just sets it alight. 
you see something in them and you go, and I believe that each and every one of us, we are called. I know some days it's a a choice that you need to make. You need to be really intentional with it. But I believe that we're all called to be blazing torches for the Father. And lastly there, um, he was honored by Christ. And this is the exciting part for us. In Matthew 11, verse 11, it says, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And that promise is fulfilled because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. I read through the New Testament, and if you know me, this is something I've been walking over the last number of years. I read it and I say, I want to see it. I believe that everything I see in the New Testament can be lived out right now as I walk in obedience and boldness and I am faithful in the, in the small things and I pursue holiness in a way that comes out of an overflow, not of a, I want to be holy in, in front of people, but I want my life to be holy because of what you have done for me, because of what you have done for me on the cross. And thinking back, that time when uh, Davy was my coach in uh, in Dungannon Rugby Club. Oh my goodness, I was I was not a nice person. <laughs> and uh, Davy put up with us. But I I was listening to that song this morning that I put up in the family group. Um, thank God my yesterday's gone. And I'm not just thankful that my yesterday, as in my old life before Jesus is gone, but I'm thankful that the things that I messed up on yesterday are gone. And then I can focus on tomorrow because that gives me hope that Jesus, you can still continue to use me no matter what I do. Thank God my yesterday's gone. And so just to finish up, don't put your shoes on yet. Still another few minutes. To finish up, I want to look at some of these, uh, how these characteristics can be developed within you and me very, very briefly. And so they are disciplines that I believe that God is calling us as a people to walk in daily. And the first one is this, and they are led, obviously, by the Spirit and by the Word of God. If you're not looking at your uh, how to live life for dummies according to Jesus Christ, which is the Word of God, then how are you supposed to hear from him? If you're not listening to the Word and being led by the Spirit in the Word and in life, how are you supposed to get to know him? How are you supposed to know where to go today or who to talk to today? And, and so it's, it's such a good habit to get into, to wake up in the morning and go, Father, I'm going to be still before you and I want to wait and listen to you this morning. And you know, even those two minutes or three minutes, I, I've had those encounters where God places someone in my, in my heart or my head that I haven't thought about in months and I send them a text. Or I think about a place that I need to go when I go. Or It's so simple. But whenever you do that and are obedient to those things, has anybody had those moments where you're just like, I'm so glad i I done that today. I'm so glad I spoke to that person today. I'm so glad I reconnected. I'm so glad I went to that place and was led by the Spirit this morning. But the first one is this, praying daily, connecting with God while changing the world. And so I want to ask you this morning, no matter how short it is, commitment in this new season to pray daily to pray daily no matter how uh, short a time it is that you will take time before the father and pray daily i've lost my notes here there we are number two 
And this is a hard one. It's fast weekly. Fasting for me restrains some of my natural strength to reposition myself to freely hear from God. And what I've realized is, see those times where I don't fast? It reveals that I am trying to live my life without God. This is personally for me. I'm not telling you you have to fast weekly. But I have noticed in me personally that those times where I neglect to do it are those times where I think I can do it myself. And I soon run into trouble. And you know, I love those times. And I'm not talking about from media. I'm, not, I'm talking about food. Fasting times of food so that I can position myself to hear from the Lord. And you know what? Usually those days where I do it are the worst days that I have. But I have some amazing times with the Lord. And I'm asking you this morning um, to position your heart for fasting. Even if it's one meal, like a breakfast or a lunch on a weekly basis. The next one is doing justly. Out of the overflow of your heart will come doing justly, being zealous for the good works of the Lord. Micah 6 verse 8 says this, Now, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so it involves being intentional. It involves being intentional with what you give, with what you do, with how you react. But it's making people aware of God's love and kindness through what he has blessed you with. Number four is this, give extravagantly. And I'm not just talking about, uh, I'm not just talking about finances. If, you, if you're in a position where you can give extravagantly, do it. If you're not, I would encourage you to give anyway. But I'm talking about your time, your love, and your attention. And if it's like my wife, you have to look her right in the eye when she's talking because if you gaze off, but it's actually knowing this is what you value. Giving extravagantly is sometimes knowing what other people value. And there's a promise in Malachi. He says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse and I will bless you back. Put God to the test. I want to encourage you with this because God has been so faithful to me in this. If you put God to the test in giving and specifically in giving to the church, he will bless you back. He will bless you in ways that you've never been blessed before. Number five is, is, is so important. It's living holy. Living a life that's fascinated with God. First Peter 1 verse 5 says, Be holy as I am holy. Study the word of God under the Holy Spirit. It takes time for the Spirit to touch our hearts and to talk. If you, uh, I had an illustration a wee while ago where um, about the McDonald's. Anybody remember that, the drive-thru? And so I believe we're living in a generation where we're McDonald's drive-thru Christianity. We drive up to the window and go, I'll take a Big Mac, I'll take a burger, and I'll take fries, and, uh, and I'll take a Coke, and thank you very much. And we eat it all down, and we're hungry an hour later because it doesn't have the nutrients we need. But I believe God is calling us back to that place of that five-course meal where he wants to sit down with us, and he wants us to enjoy the starter and and look him in the eye and talk to him and enjoy his presence and tell him how our day was and then go on to that lovely, perfectly cooked steak and, and enjoy it and, and sit and, and fascinate with one, each, one another and listen to what he has to say and he wants to listen to what you have to say. And I believe God is calling us back to that 
that intimate time of that five-course meal of saying, I want you to take time to listen to me because just like the fast food, it's going to fill you up for so much longer. It's going to keep you filled to the overflow where you're going to forcefully advance the kingdom more than you have ever done. You're going to get more done in one day with me than you will in two weeks with a McDonald's diet. So he's calling us back to that time of intimacy with him and living holy. Number six is this. He's asking us in all areas of life to lead diligently, to be an example for those around us, just like Elijah and John were, to be people that have clear vision, that take the initiative to act, that take risks, that have an eternal perspective on difficult times, who do what needs to be done, who serve others well, who take few privileges, who refuse to have a controlling spirit, to be people that lead out of an overflow of God's heart. And so he is asking us to be people that are continually asking the spirit, how do we reach the lost and how do we reach the next generation? So it's just like the old milk bottles. Does anybody remember the old glass milk bottles that used to get left at your front door that the birds always pecked the tinfoil off? And look at the ones now, the, the old plastic ones, hopefully they're recyclable, that you have to go to the shop yourself and buy in the, in the two liters. What I've discovered is it's the exact same milk, but it's in a new container. And I believe God is calling us in this time. He's saying it's the same milk, it's the same gospel. But what I'm asking you to do is with my spirit leading you, be creative in the packaging that you have it in to bring people in because I will do anything to reach the lost. Now, we're not getting a smoke machine around. Don't worry about that. But I believe we need to be open in how we get people in without watering down the gospel, how we bring the gospel to them. I'm not dying my hair blue either. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But what are we, what is the Spirit telling us to do? It's still, it's still the same milk, isn't it? just a different way of packaging it. If you don't agree with that, you can talk to me after. And this is the last one. You can let out a sigh of relief. I believe that we are to speak boldly. We are at a time where we are to proclaim the gospel. We are to level the hills. We are to remove the boulders as we are forerunners for Jesus Christ, as we want to go deeper. And I want to use another old illustration we are to preach the full fat gospel. When I lived in America, Jesse can tell you all about it. The milk's not as good, but when people went to ask for coffees, they'd be going up to the counter and I'd be going, I'll take an Americano, please. Sorry, what, sir? Americano, please, a wee bit of milk. Don't understand the word you're saying. But then an American would come up and go, I'll have a double decaf soy latte frappuccino with caramel. No, no, hold the caramel. No, yes, the caramel sauce with the with sugar-free uh, and stevia. And I'm like, what? What kind of coffee is that? And you know, the church has become the same. I, I feel like I'm being down on the church, but I'm not really. It's just a, a shake. We want our double iced latte, coffee-free, whatever gospel. And so this is the other side of that container that it comes in. I'm being balanced this morning. I want a full, fat gospel that packs a punch. Then when people are introduced to the Jesus and the God that I know, they fall down on their knees saying, I need you in my life. Who, who craves that again? Who craves those moments where people are saying, I need Jesus in my life like never before? And that's only going to happen when you and me go deeper. Forget about anything else that I've said this morning. It's only going to happen when you and me 
understand the gravity of what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. And what he's given you as a gift to give away. And so let me finish with this verse as the worship team come back up. That really, I'm, that's me finished. I'm serious this time. He's known me too well. I want to read this as a commission to you this morning. And again, it was another verse that the Father gave me that night in 2012 in Cedar Rapids. And it's found in Isaiah 62. Why don't you get to your feet? And the worship team are going to come up and they're going to lead us in our last song. I want to speak this over you as a prophetic word from the Father. As words that were spoken about John and as we've been told, we will do more. It's not you might, it's you will. Isaiah 62 verse 10, it says, Pass through, pass through the gates and go from old to new. Prepare a new path for the people. Build, build up a highway for them to come to me. Remove every hindrance and unfurl a banner for the nations. Let them know who I am. See, Yahweh has proclaimed to the ends of the earth, tell my daughter Zion, look, here comes your deliverer. See, he's bringing his reward and his recompense goes before him. They will be called his holy people, the redeemed of Yahweh, and you will be known as those who God loves, a city not abandoned. God, I thank you. I thank you that we are known as a redeemed people, a holy people, a people who you love. And so we say, Redeemer Yahweh, will you speak to our hearts this morning? Will you give us an encounter in those secret, quiet moments with you that will transform our hearts and our minds? Will you fill us up to overflow, to give away that wonderful gift of salvation to those that encounter? just in this last moments of worship God we ask for a fresh filling a fresh encounter this morning a fresh awareness of your Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us God I ask for a fresh hunger of your word in this place a fresh hunger for your word that will lead to pursuing holiness in a way that has not been seen for generations in this nation God 